You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to tell a funny story that so many of you already heard, but I'm going to tell it anyways because uh, it was just fun. I saw the city video up there, and um, I surprised my wife with, um, I took her for a night uptown on Friday, on Friday night, so I took her to the Nutcracker, and we got all dressed up and had a lot of fun, stayed in a hotel in uptown Charlotte right across from the Nutcracker, and um, beautiful hotel. I just looked up. It was a, It's a like the oldest hotel in Charlotte. It's called the Dunhill Hotel. Uh, it's built in 1929. Anyways, we're beautiful, beautiful place when you walk in. Um, and we get in there, and uh, I take pictures and put it on social media, and someone sends me a text, and they're like, hey, there's some weird stories about that place. So, all right. So anyways, I just I figure I look it up. I'm intrigued. And uh, I, so I look it up, and the first thing that comes up on my search is the Haunted Hotel of Charlotte. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> What a night I've signed my wife up for. Take her to a haunted hotel. So, um, I, uh, so then I just, you know, I start looking it up. I'm like, wonder where it got this reputation from. And apparently in the Great Depression, there's stories of a number of businessmen that had lost everything and they threw themselves from the top of this hotel to commit suicide. Yeah, now you're like, oh, not so funny. Um, and, um, and so anyways, I was like, this stuff doesn't bother me. I just thought it was unique that the Lord put us there. Um, and so then I read this other article that says, <laughs> whatever you do, if you go stay there, just make sure you don't end up in room 906 because that's the one with all the horror stories. Just so happens at check-in, they're like, we got a free upgrade for you tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I see how it is. And so they put us in room 906. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, see, I'm, I'm reading these articles and it's like people are like weird things and all this stuff's happening. So I'm like, all right. This is getting kind of weird. And uh, so I'm like, I'm not scared of it at all. You know, I'm just like, I'm just curious to see what happens. So uh, it's all a great story, but I'm sad to say that like nothing cool happened. We had a great peaceful night's sleep. And all I know is that everyone like wrote me back. They're like, did you see anything? I'm like, seriously, like it was the most peaceful room I've ever slept in before was that room. So I'm convinced that the Holy Ghost drove off every other ghost <laughs> that may have been trying to bother us because... Matter of fact, we even had people, we were sitting in the foyer of the hotel, and this one kid comes up to me. You know when someone keeps looking at you? And this young guy, he was, uh, so in this hotel, there's the foyer. We're sitting in these two chairs, and then like, I don't know, 20 feet over here is like they have a bar in the foyer. And the bartender keeps looking at me. He's just looking at me. And I'm like, <laughs> he was, but it was kind of weird, you know? I was like, why does he keep looking at me? And he walked by, and he's like, super sweet kid. He's probably out on a 25. He's like, hey. I'm like, Hey. <laughs> He's like, how you doing? I'm like, good. He's like, you guys staying here? I'm like, yep. He's like, uh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, that's cool. He's like, is that like Christianity? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I grew up Catholic. And, I was, and then he's like, he looks at Tiffany. He's like, what do you do? She's like, yeah, same. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. He's like, tell me about it. We actually train people how to do this. And this kid like found me. I'm like, you know, and, uh, so Caesar is his name. And uh, we're praying that Caesar has an encounter with the Lord. I got to tell him all about Jesus. And um, I, <laughs> he, he asked for my number. I don't normally just give my cell phone number out. Um, joke was I actually gave him David's number. He just doesn't know that. Um, <laughs> 
So David starts getting text messages from Caesar. Now you know why. Um, I met you at that hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, no, I gave him my number, and, he, and he, then he texted me later, and he was just like, oh, it was just so great to meet you. Thanks so much for talking with me. And he's like, is it okay, like, if I come to your church sometime? I can't come often, but can I come? I'm like, dude, come when you want. And so, anyways, isn't it amazing that people will tell you, oh, it's a haunted hotel. And then, like, people are like, what do you do? <laughs> I'm like, I scare away demons. <laughs> Stop right there. Anybody know what theme song that is? Ghostbusters. A couple of you know it. <laughs> this is fun. Oh, it was fun. So many good things. I love it when you, like, I've heard stories from David Hogan about things happening in hotels. Like, he stays in, I don't know how many you know who David Hogan is. When he preaches, he sounds like he's going to snap you in half. He's like, he's an amazing guy of faith. But, like, his stories are like, you know, and he tells this story about staying in a hotel one time that was, I don't remember it was a hotel, maybe it was a house, but somewhere that had like a bunch of demonic activity in it. And he ministers in the real, just Mexico is his heart. And he ministers in the really rough parts of Mexico. And in the same way where Heidi Baker will have just the hardest people in Africa get saved, um, David Hogan will have like drug cartel just show up at his meetings in tears, like show me who Jesus is. And um, he talks about how he was in this hotel one time, and, or this room, and in the middle of the night, the demonic activity began to, like, shake the furniture. And he said his dresser, like, shook off the wall. And he woke up, and he, uh, he you know, he's like, he's, you know, he's like, I command you to go in Jesus' name. I love his prayers. I was listening to, I was letting Ethan hear it, because my son's a warrior. And he was praying recently at Bethel, and he was like, pray this, warrior God disperse the evil spirits. That's what I thought I was going to get to do that night in the hotel. You're going to hear me, <laughs> warrior God, <laughs> disperse the spirit. No, it was, it was nothing. Um, and so uh, anyways, this, he said he, he cast these demons out of his hotel room. They leave. And then it hits him. He's like, I'm not going to move that dresser back. So he called them back. He said, demonic spirits. He, he's like, put my dresser back. And he's like, you just watch it go, and he's like, now you can leave. <laughs> can we make that a thing, making the devil clean our house? Like, I saw every woman in the room like, hey, now we're on to something. You can't leave anything, but you can clean my messes. You work for me. I own you. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was my, my fun story, but nothing crazy happened. So, Yep, Jesus is just too big, just too big. If you have your Bibles, um, open up to John chapter 1. We've been on this topic of dwell this, this month, and David just did a great word on just finding Jesus in those moments of pain and embracing those emotions last week. So good, David. And then the week before, we just kind of went into a worship encounter. Um, we're really excited to get our worship back online with the live stream. <laughs> Someone reached out. They're like, you know how hard it is every week that I watch it? And you get up and you're like, worship was amazing. <laughs> and there's no worship on there. And so we're excited uh, first of the year to get our worship back online. But uh, I, I, I want to read a little bit of a different topic this morning because this is officially Christmas Sunday, even though it feels like it's a little ways out. And I want to just take you through something that I think is pretty neat. John chapter 1, verse 1, 
It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Everybody say, through him. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, even at the Dunhill Hotel. And then verse 14, this is a cool scripture. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This is the fulfillment of a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I'm going to read this again. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is what we celebrate on Christmas. This was Jesus being born. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The, let's stop there. The, the incarnation of Jesus is, without question, the most amazing miracle of all time. May, many of you maybe don't even look at it as a miracle, but I, I challenge you to do that this morning. It is the most amazing miracle to ever happen is Jesus being incarnated. The creation, the story of creation, it's an amazing miracle how God created the earth and, and the resurrection of Jesus, what, a, what an amazing miracle. And the splitting of the Red Sea, the list goes on of incredible miracles. None of them, they, they pale in comparison to Jesus being incarnated. I would even say that so often, what's the greatest act of love we think about? We would say, well, Jesus coming and dying on this cross. But, you know, you have to remember that he had to come first. What's the greatest act of love? That Jesus would die on the cross and be raised from the dead. That is a powerful act of love. But the greatest act is that he came. He came knowing what was going to happen. And for a moment, I want you to think about this. The idea that the creator who who created all things, the one who stepped into darkness and spoke and light and water and everything was formed. The creator that created it all became a part of his creation. Chew on that for Christmas. <laughs> he, he stepped into the very thing that he created and he, I'm going to talk to you about a few different things that maybe we just so often don't see. But Jesus Christ, the, the, the son of the Godhead, became a fetus. The, uh, this is known in, in theology as, as hypostatic union. It's, it's the total union of humanity coming together with God. He was no less human than you, and he was no less God than he was before he became human. And this is, this is truly the miracle of Christmas, is the story that God would become flesh. Just think about that for a moment. By his own choice, Jesus, by choice, did not operate in the power of being God. Yes, he did miracles, but he didn't do them as God. He did them as a human. That's important for you to understand because this whole topic of dwell, 
I'm going to get to this in a moment, but he did not have to dwell with you to save you. He didn't have to stay on the earth to save you. He didn't have to stay on the earth to set you free. He had to come and make an appearance, and he needed to go through the process of the death and resurrection, but he didn't have to stay to save you. It's really amazing, isn't it? The, the, if you think about it, even from a perspective of the self-control that Jesus demonstrated. What if you had the option at any moment anything went wrong, you have the solution and could pull it out? You ever thought about that? I mean, any moment. He was a little boy. You know, he got teased like any other little boy. He came in full humanity. You know what it must have been like for a little boy to know that I'm God? I mean, if my son knew he was God, <laughs> even though at times he may think, never mind. <laughs> I could see you he'll get me on that. But I mean, in all reality, if, if, if he knew, listen, that's it. <laughs> right, Mackenzie? You know, I've had enough. I'm God. <laughs> at any moment, at any moment, as a little boy, he could have stepped into it. He didn't. Throughout, I mean, can you imagine walking through life as a young man? As a, I meet people that are ministry hungry all the time, and they're like, I want to get into ministry. He walked through the earth for year after year after year after year, seeing all of the fingerprints of death and sin, knowing I have the solution. But I can't do it until Jesus, until the Father says it's time. Talk about self-control. Have you ever thought, I mean, just think, that just blows my mind that Jesus had the ability. But he knew, I will only do what the Father tells me to do, only say what he tells me to say, and I'll only do it when he says. By the way, when is just important as what. Prophetic communities are getting better and better about the what, not so much the when. You can give someone a prophetic word in the wrong timing that's more hurtful than helpful. Jesus came. He, he didn't have to dwell. He didn't have to walk among us. He didn't have to teach us. He didn't have to do any of that. But he did it to demonstrate for you and I the possibility of mankind. He did it to show you what mankind in right relationship with the Father should look like. We've gotten a long ways from this. Shay stole one of my points this morning. Thanks, Shay. <laughs> Prophetic closers, they always do that. And I'm going to have a fake sermon in my pocket from now on and see if people pick up on that one. So. Jesus walked with us and dwelled with us to show us value. That was one of my main points was that he did it to demonstrate value. Even the model that we have seen that's becoming so familiar in the in church today is I'll pop in and I'll preach my sermon and I'll pop out the door. Good thing Jesus didn't do that. Good thing he didn't pop in to do his assignment and then pop back out. We're hard on our guest. Tiffany's like, you better not sit in that room the whole worship service. We have the green room back there for pastors. And I get it. They're in a lot of worship services. But we want them to value the people that they're ministering to. I always tell, I always 
I choose my guest by you basically, well, you value them like they're my family. I don't have someone come over to my house and eat at my table that doesn't value my kids. I'll take you to a cheap restaurant, but <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I won't have someone in my home that doesn't value my family. And I won't have someone at this pulpit that does not value this family. But Jesus was the one that demonstrated that. That's not something I cooked up. Jesus didn't just come and do what he was called to do. He came and said, not only am I gonna come provide what's needed for the sacrifice for sin, I'm going to stay, value you enough because you need me to show you what you can do. You need me to show you who you are. And Jesus was more interested in teaching them. We, we get this, oh, man, we get this messed up because we're so caught up in teaching people how to get to heaven. That was not Jesus' intentions. If he just wanted to get them to heaven, he just would have came, died, and resurrected and left them. He was more interested in getting heaven to them. Yeah. That was the point. I, I, I had, unfortunately had to do a, a memorial here on Thursday for my, my brother-in-law who's passed away. And I was in a room full of many people that have most of them are not believers. And you could feel the pain. You could feel all these different emotions in the room. But one thing I kept trying to relay to them is one thing you don't have to leave with today is hopelessness. I can't take away your pain. I can't, you know, you're in a process of mourning. You're in a process of it's okay feeling these emotions. But one thing that you don't have to have is hopelessness. But my intention is not just to preach a turn or burn sermon. It's to try to create an atmosphere where people understand that Jesus wants to come in and be a part of your journey with him. Amen. And I preached this message and I, you know, it's like, you don't know if it hits, it's a funeral, you know? And it's like, I don't know if this is hitting or not. And then slowly, one by one, people kept coming to me through the hallway saying, hey, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? My kid's in the hospital. And all of a sudden, why? Because the awareness was starting to come that that you're not just trying to get me saved just to have another notch in your belt that you got five people saved at a funeral. You actually want to bring something to me that can help me. That was Jesus's intention. That was the miracle of Christmas was that he not only came, but that he stayed. He stayed and he, and he had 12 knuckleheads that he dealt with that would never make it on a board of a church today especially Peter, <laughs> but he stayed. He stayed. He, he knew what was coming. I love watching how Jesus interacted. There's so much, and I'm going to get to break this down in, in three different pieces here in a moment, but Jesus was, he was not just trying to get people to heaven. He was trying to get heaven to them. And it's said in the scripture, it says that in the beginning was the word, and that, that, the, defin, the literal of meaning of that is logos, 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 however you want to pronounce that. And it means it's the reason, it's the, it's the explanation, it's, it's logos. And it's, it's the reason behind everything. It's the topics that we have theology, eschatology, archaeology, ideology, ology. What's the point? Jesus, John was saying here, he is the reason behind everything. All these, he's behind it all. And I love how he, he starts this because what a powerful way. And I love, they say that John, I've heard it said that John may have written his gospel quite a few years later than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
most believe 40 to 50 years later. And there's something interesting about the book of John because the book of John is the only one of the Gospels that actually doesn't have the account at the end of the book of Jesus leaving. I believe after 40 or 50 years, I believe that John came into the revelation of he never left. He had marinated on it all. I mean, think about it. Those of you that have been saved for a while, if you were to write something in the very beginning versus 25 years later, everyone's, oh, my goodness. Trust me, there's lots of Facebook posts out there like that. Excitement doesn't always mean wisdom. And John had sat on it. He would marinated on it. He had waited his time to think about the encounters he'd had with the Lord. And as time went by, the awareness began to settle in with John that when Jesus, when he ascended that day, his body may have disappeared, but he never left us. And he's the only one that didn't put the account in the end of his book. And I think it's powerful that he begins it by saying, everything started with him. He's behind it all. He's behind everything. What I'd like to do this morning, I, we kind of already did it in worship, <laughs> but we're gonna, I'm going to give you a few points, and then we're going to sing another song or two at the end and just invite Jesus into an encounter in this room with us. But as we come into Christmas time, as we come into Christmas week, as we're getting busy, as we're focusing on things coming up, I think it's important that we continue to remember, I know we have the silly saying, it's the reason for the season, but he truly is, in John 1, he is the reason behind it all. And the idea of when Revelation said that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, What does that mean? Testimony, to give account of. As we remember, as we sit here and we begin to remember what he has done for us, you begin to prophesy what he will do for you. And sometimes it takes a moment just to slow down, right? In Christmas time, slow down. And let's just connect our hearts to the Lord in this. I want to give you three reasons why he came. There's a lot of reasons, but I'm just going to give you three. One of them was to neutralize the power of sin. And we hear about the first two a lot. He, he, he came to neutralize the power of sin. I say that specifically. One of the songs that they didn't get around to this morning that we may sing at the end is, is O Holy Night. And it has this line in it, chains shall he break. For the slave is our brother, which is an interesting line because it actually has to do with social injustice. But chains shall he break. How many of you know that you, you cannot break your chains without Jesus? You guys awake this morning. You, you, you can't. I know this is elementary, but so, yet so many of us are still in chains in so many areas of our life. Chains shall he break. Jesus came to neutralize the power of sin, the areas that we are still in bondage, the areas that affect us every single day. He came to neutralize that power, to deal with it. The second one was that humankind could not restore itself without Jesus having become flesh. There was a price that needed to be paid. And the reality of sin is that we can do nothing on our own to deal with it. The best that we can do is we can try to improve. 
We can try to improve. We, matter of fact, we see that through much of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant before they stepped into a new covenant. The best that they knew how was to continually try to improve. They just kept trying to do better. How would you like to live in that? And if you screw up, you got to wait another year. <laughs> and so they just continually tried and tried and tried to improve, but they needed Jesus to come. It says that Jesus came, the unjust for the just. He came as the one that didn't need forgiveness, but became the very thing that you needed for forgiveness. And so he came to provide forgiveness. And I know we hear those two a lot. We, those are, we focus on those a lot. The third one's really what I want to talk about. It's the topic of dwell because he came to dwell with us. He came and became flesh because without it, we could never begin to comprehend who God is. Jesus came because without him coming, you would not be able to comprehend who God is. Every time you attempt to express who God is, you're, you're, for the most part, you're forced to come to Jesus. When you try to express who God is, you're forced to come back to Jesus. And um, I'll just quote it in John 14, 9. It says, when you've seen the Father, said, you've seen me. Or when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The, the Trinity, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit was the perfect, was the, was, uh, it was perfectly expressed in the life of Jesus. This is really important because we can make this really hard to understand. Uh, the Trinity was perfectly expressed in Jesus. Bill Johnson says it, Jesus was perfect theology. But it was a perfect representation you want to know who God is, you're going to be forced to learn more about who Jesus is. It's just the reality of it. If you don't find reading your Bible important, it's too bad because the very God you serve is so beautifully expressed in this book. And you find yourself, if you're not careful like so many others serving a God that they really don't even know. And he's beautifully expressed in the life of Jesus. And, and the... You can see this orphan planet was trying to figure it out the best they knew how. We saw pre-Jesus that they were, they were trying to figure out who God was without Jesus. Can you imagine that? They were, they were trying their best to figure out who God is without Jesus. And a lot of that is accounted in your Bible. But this is where it gets important to make, just to make sure that when you read your scriptures, you are not reading them through a filter of someone who had not yet had the manifestation of Jesus, and they were doing their best to figure out who he was. People will take scriptures that were not in the covenant that you get to live in and, and sometimes even make life scriptures out of them. And they hadn't yet had a revelation of who God is. Are they important? Absolutely. Every word that is in your Bible is inspired by God. 
to apply to you is sometimes, can it benefit you? Yes. But does it apply to you? Is another conversation. Be quiet, church. I'm setting you free. It's one of the things I preached at that funeral. I was just trying to explain it. It's, it's a, everyone has a, God is about rules and do's and don'ts. And it's like, my goodness. He just wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. He came 2,000 years ago and gave his heart to you. Isn't that amazing? He came 2,000 years ago. He gave his heart to you and he never took it back. He's just waiting for you to give yours to him. That blows my mind. Because we're so temporal with our love. You hurt me, I'll pull my heart back. And Jesus said, it's all yours. I'll just wait on you. Because he's, 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 he's good enough. He's strong enough. You don't hurt him. <laughs> People tell me, you don't know what I feel about God. I'm like, well, you should probably tell him. I'm angry at God. Tell him. I've heard people say bad words before. He can handle that too. <laughs> I've heard some funny stuff. Some of you are laughing because you've done it. <laughs> he can handle it. You get more free if you just be able to tell him what you're feeling. Why? Because his heart is wide open. And it's your heart that's saying, I feel this towards you. I'm covering it. Say, well, maybe if you just tell me how you feel. I've, I feel like you weren't there for me. Great place to start if that's what you're feeling. Because he wants you to understand that he came here to be with you. He never left. He's still dwelling. He's still right here. And he came, he came to a planet that was orphaned, that was trying to figure out who God is. And they were way off, by the way. They were so off that the Savior was standing there right in front of him, and they didn't know it was him. <laughs> That's bad. When the one that you and generations have been praying for is right in front of you, and you're looking for a way to fault them because it doesn't look like the God I thought you were supposed to be. But that's what Jesus came to correct. That's what Christmas was about. That's the celebration is that he came into a planet that said, I thought God looked like this. And he said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to call me dad. Whoa, whoa. Because they were looking for <laughs> warrior God, which is nothing wrong with that because he's that too. You just, you really want warrior God to be dad too. <laughs> or then he gets scary. Because <laughs> he, he says, Here, here's how I want you guys to pray. pray. Start it with our Father. Now, right, this is countercultural. Start with Papa. Start with Daddy. I, I, a lot of people don't call me this anymore, but I used to always be called Johnny. So when I had this funeral of people I hadn't seen, many of them for 10 to 15 years, there was a whole room all of a sudden calling me Johnny. And it felt weird because it's a very, like, for me, it's like a very personal, like, family. And, and, like, if you know me for a very long time, you probably know Johnny. But no one else does. So it's kind of awkward. But I don't mind it. I really don't if we have that relationship. God was breaking down some walls by saying, I want you to call me Daddy. Whoa, I don't know. Whoa. And he was shaking things up because he was trying to come in and represent who God is. 
We're looking for someone to come and to overthrow things and to do this and to do that. Oh, he was doing it. He was just doing it in a way that they didn't think it was going to happen. He thought he was going to come in guns blazing, and he came in as a baby. Why? Because he didn't just come to overthrow something. He didn't just come to save you. He came to show you, to show you from a fetus all the way through manhood what you could be. And if we aren't careful, we can allow our way of thinking to begin to be influenced by those that actually haven't had a revelation of him. It's possible to get saved and not fully know God yet. Like, like, like it's possible to give your life to Jesus, and he's that good that he will save you. <laughs> Doesn't mean you know him. See, you know him by this. You know him by dwelling with him. I, I, know, I know my wife by just the, the, the thousands of hours of conversation sitting on a couch when no one else is around and just talking. We, we, do, we do all these wonderful, fun things, and we, we, we do. We really do love to go do fun things, but the place I really get to know her is just conversation. That's why these small groups are important because that's how you get to know everyone else. The version you're seeing right here is, hmm, may not be them on Monday night. <laughs> Jesus said, I want to show you who you are. I want to show you who you could be. He took all these unhealthy mindsets that had been formed about who God was, and, and Jesus had his work cut out for him. Because he came in, he was kind, he was gracious. Many of them thought he was too kind. They thought he was too gracious. They thought he was too forgiving. They, they tried to set him up more than once. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, we've seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We have seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus. This is a big deal because in the humanity of Jesus, I learn about the person of God. This topic always just inspires me. I don't know why, the, 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 the humanity of Jesus, because he never reversed it. You do understand that. Like, he never stripped back off his humanity. You realize there is a human in the Godhead. If nothing gives you value, he never, he never became man, did his job, stripped back off man, and went back into just being this floaty Jesus. He's still humanity. <laughs> that messes with my head. I don't know about you, it just does. I remember the day that it hit me. And it hit me like strong. I was just like, whoa. I was like, he never left being a man. Like he looks like something. Like, like make it real. He has a hair color. It's not blonde probably like all of the Christian bookstores, but it's, 
It's highly likely he's not blonde-haired and blue-eyed like Fabio. Like, he's probably, you know, he was a carpenter. I don't know if when he, I don't know. But the point is, is that he's still a man. He probably, his hands, at least on earth, were rough. I mean, I think we think of Jesus like just this soft, pudgy. <laughs> Please, no, don't do that to me. <laughs> You're weirding me out. I mean, can you imagine? It's, it's, he was a carpenter. He worked with his hands with hard hand tools. Probably when he grabbed the hand of someone, it was strong and rough. He, he, he was making a point, I have done this life. I've done this life with you. And he didn't strip it back off because there's such a value for you. I value you so much that I'm going to continue to walk in this. This is the miracle of Christmas. The, and, and, and the Bible, when we begin to understand that the person of Jesus begins to teach us who God is, it begins to really change the way you read your Bible. It really does. I, I want to give you a couple examples that will change things. Jesus, one of the passages is that, remember when all the kids ran up to Jesus? Remember that in the Bible? And the disciples started to rebuke him. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Let the little children come to me. Let me just take you through that scripture for a moment. I learned so much about Jesus because I know the kind of person kids are attracted to. It doesn't impress me a man that has a bunch of other strong men following him. It does impress me that all the children followed him. I began to see the tenderness and the playfulness that Jesus had. These little kids said, we want to be with him. I see, and he's not in here, but big, tall hunter, (laughs) that boy, he gets that from Jesus. You see, everyone in this room has some element that I could probably, if I worked hard enough, I might be able to take you to a scripture that we see it in Jesus. And then I begin to understand God when I come in here and say, our Father who is art in heaven, hallowed be the name of your kingdom, come your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I've been called down God. I'm not called, I'm realizing, I'm starting to see who he is. He was the one that all the kids wanted to come get on his knee. What a, what a, this is your Lord. Says Jesus, that is your Lord. He's the perfect representation of the Trinity. The little ones came after him. I, I, I always pay attention, and I don't mean this. I know our culture, this is even, ah, our culture has gotten so toxic that we, we paint labels over men, unfortunately, that in their sincerity and a gift that God gave them, children are attracted to it. I get we need to be careful, obviously, but we shouldn't throw everyone through that label. I see guys that when I watch little kids follow them, I know there's something tender about them. I'm not talking about guys that are following kids. That would be things I'd be aware of. Doesn't mean it's always wrong, but I'd be aware of it. But when I see children following a man, I pay attention to that. Because I say, oh, there's something on you attracts kids. It's purity. It's, it's a pureness of joy. And we find, we find the glory of Jesus in that moment that children love to follow him. 
Maybe, maybe some of you, you think all you think about the glory of Jesus is like a glory cloud. Maybe the glory of Jesus is that kids want to be around you. It's the glory of God being represented through you. I got to keep moving. Remember the lady that was caught in the act of adultery? Oh, the glory of God is so strong in this scripture. They thought they had him. Remember, they drug her out in the act, which makes it clear she's most likely naked. They throw her down before the only one in the universe that has the right to judge her. Like, got him. And we see this moment of Jesus, the glory of God revealed in Jesus. Where he kneels down, and we don't know what he writes. He writes something that, who knows what he writes. It was a zinger because everyone dropped the stones. I've heard a lot of great preachers preach some great ideas, but all I know is whatever he wrote, he said, now the first one of you that has no sin, you throw first. I see the glory of God in Jesus in that moment. I see, I see his compassion. And I see, he doesn't condone it because he says to her, he says, now get up, don't do it anymore. Go your way. I see the empowerment of Jesus. I see that he didn't just come in and save a victim and say, I got you. I love you, bye. No, that would have just been him coming in and saving her. That's not good enough for Jesus. He said, I need to empower you. So he said, now go, but don't do it anymore. And grace was released through him, so she was free. I see the empowerment of Jesus. Another story, I'll, probably my last one, is the leper. Now, the leper, this one's interesting. Because in that time, lepers, they wore certain clothing that was to make very clear, don't touch me. One, it was a bad idea because most likely you would become a carrier yourself, but it was actually illegal in that culture and in that time to touch a leper because they didn't want to spread. This is going to hit really close to home. <laughs> Jesus didn't believe in social distancing. Let's just say that. <laughs> because the leper comes to Jesus. They've been tormented. You don't understand. We can't possibly understand what they've went through. They've been tormented by pain by embarrassment, they had to wear a garment that says, I am an outcast. And he comes to Jesus and he says this one sentence, one sentence, you can make me well if you will. That's all he said. Now this is a powerful statement because he's not only declaring Jesus is the healer because he's saying, you can do it. He just declared, you're my healer. It's if you want to. Is it your will? We see this moment into Jesus. Oh. He could have just said, 
be healed. He could have looked at the leper and said, you're healed, go your way. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? He touches him. I got goosebumps. You know, I can't tell you all the reasons, but you want to know one thing that hits me? Can you imagine to have not had human touch? I don't know how long. See, we all get just a little less, honestly, the best glimpse we've had of it was through what many of us went through with this COVID thing. I've heard stories of people that went through divorces and they're like, you know what it's like to go through a divorce and I can't hug anyone? We don't think about it because many of us have family with us, but what people have been through, that's nothing in comparison to a leper that for Lord knows how many years, no one could touch him. Jesus didn't do it to heal him. Jesus did it to embrace him. There's nothing that means more, is there, when you're, when you're sick? And, I mean, you're sick and someone just lays their hand on your head and prays for you. Or when you're going through a hard time and someone just, you know, doesn't give you a bunch of spiritual language and, well, hang in there, you are an overcome, you know, and it's like they put in a, in a healthy way, they put their hand on their shoulder and says, and just, just looks at you, encourages you, edifies you. Jesus is changing things. Everything is shifting. It's going from a culture, it's going from a time where when if you touched it, you became unclean, where he was setting a new precedence that now you can touch something unclean and make it clean. You can now do this, but not only to clean it, I really don't believe it was just about healing his leprosy because he could have done it without touching him. It was about restoring this man. And he put his hand on him. You see, That's why he dwelt with us. He didn't dwell with you to save you. He came and he died and he raised from the dead to save you. He dwelled with you to show you who the God is that you serve. And this is important for you to remember, folks, because there are going to be times where maybe maybe it would be good when you have a moment and you don't know what to do. Find a scripture in, in these gospels that resonates with your spirit and find how Jesus was in that moment. Maybe it's the moment you feel rejected by everyone. Find the woman that was rejected and thrown at his feet. That's how he feels about you. You can find him in these scriptures, but you find him in Jesus. This is why he became a man. It's it's amazing, this miracle of Jesus becoming man. But what's really amazing is that he chose and valued you enough to stay here for 30 years, 33 years, and walk with man and say, look what you can do. Yeah, you're a leper. It's okay. I'll touch you. There's so many people we can show Jesus, the glory of Jesus to, and don't get me wrong, I love a good worship service where I can feel like the glory. It's like a corporate anointing and the glory of the Lord in the atmosphere. We have those too. But you also can show the glory of Jesus by stopping for the homeless guy in Uptown. That says, I've I've encountered those moments. It it messed up my little girl Addie for the good. When we walked out of a restaurant one night in Uptown Charlotte and we had a real fancy meal, it was her birthday. 
Yeah, I think it's her birthday. We took her to this Brazilian steakhouse. Glory to God. Let's just stop there a moment. All you can eat meat. All right, let's get back on to the story. There's veggies too for those of you that need those. <laughs> Anyways, um, we walked out of, it was a real fancy meal. You feel really blessed, you know, your kids feel like royalty. And we walked out, and there's a guy standing there that's homeless and just says, do you have anything? And I watched. It was so cold that night. And I watched Addie begin to, I watched the glory of Jesus begin to come on her. Because I watched her begin to be the Jesus I know and her heart for this guy. See, we, we can get calloused and move on, and, well, he's just probably asking that of her. We don't even know what he does with the money. Can I set you free of that? Come on. Yeah. Can I set you free of that? Be glad that Jesus, be glad that God did not determine whether he'd give you the gift of Jesus based on what humanity would do with the gift. Your logic and reasoning for giving money to the homeless is what will they do with it? God gave his son knowing very well many of them would mistreat the gift. If he says no, listen, I just gave up on having to worry about it. I'd go to give something, and people are like, well, you don't know what they're using that money for. My responsibility is to give to the needy. Yeah. And I watched the glory of the Lord come on Adeline, the glory of Jesus. Micah, come on up if you're in here. I watched the glory. Oh, there he is hiding in the trees. <laughs> we love those trees. If we just had a hunting stand in one of them. Back on point. Um, I watched, I watched, and you know what it did for me? It convicted me. She cried all the way home about that man. I gave him, I, I gave him some money. She cried all the way home. She got home. We went to bed. She got out of bed and came back in my room crying. She was so moved by compassion, just like when Jesus was moved by compassion. But you know the amazing thing is every time that Jesus was moved by compassion, a miracle happened after that. Yeah. You need to know who Jesus is so you know who God is. As we get into Christmas, I just, I felt, I just, <laughs> yeah. This is what God wanted us to know who he is and how good he is and that his glory is found in his son. And it's that easy. Young people, it's that easy. Find out who Jesus is. Let's stand up. Let's sing a song. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to ask the Lord to encounter you in this last moment. I know it went a little longer than I thought I'd go, but In the same way that he dwelled among, he came and he dwelled among the disciples and to bring value. I'm gonna pray that, as Shay has already said this morning, but it's so on that he will come and just bring value to you this morning. Some of you just need an encounter with Jesus that brings you value. The number one thing that we feel people wrestling through in the holidays is 
either hurt relationships, lack of relationships that bring, they come back to, I don't feel valued. But you can encounter the glory of Jesus and it will bring you value in the midst of whatever you feel. So let's just sing through this as a family this morning. Thank you, Lord. And so holy now, yeah. the souls are brightly shine. It is a night of our tears Long lay the world in sin and there upon me to hear peace in the soul felt its worth. The soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. decisions. I pray that in this moment, you would feel the worth that Jesus has placed on you. May you feel the worth and the value of who you are. This is where you find him, church. This is, this is the place, it says he dwells in the praises of his people. It's in this place that you begin to understand his worth and it reflects on you your worth because when you find out how worthy he is it will move you to realize how great he thinks you are Sing, go ahead Micah truly he taught us to love one another his law is love and his gospel Law is love. And change shall he reign for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. 
Addiction breaking. Addiction shall be broken. Hopelessness is being replaced with hope. The glory of Jesus is shining in this moment.
such a beautiful, simple, but profound encounter happening in this room. The glory of Jesus is being revealed. with somebody up here they will pray with you we're not about just doing a, a prayer and sending you out the door we're about getting heaven to you and the Bible says the kingdom of God is at hand it's here right now 
You just got to take it. And so if you're here and you just want to rededicate your life or give your life to the Lord, maybe for the first time, they'll pray with you this morning. There may be others that you just need someone to just, just pray with you. You may need to, they have an expression of the glory of Jesus that you might need this morning. And I just want to encourage the prayer team to really just be sensitive this morning to how the Lord wants to minister through you. But I realize that there's a lot of emotions that go on this time of year. So if we can just love on you, it would be our privilege this morning. But God, I pray your blessing upon everybody here as they leave. I pray your blessing on them as they come into this beautiful season of Christmas that it is purely about the miracle of you becoming man and that you would come and dwell among us. You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.